What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that God our Father desires for you and me and for all of us to become. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions uh, dealing with everything and anything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, dogma, catechesis, evangelization, discipleship, and the list goes on. I would then sit with your questions, pray with them and hopefully respond in a way that is helpful for you to become a saint. However, my uh, disclaimer is this, I'm not perfect. I am uh, certainly not infallible. And so every now and then the advice I share might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, then I really wanna give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that is not good and not in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really would encourage you to lean into Jesus in prayer and scripture and the sacraments and community so that our God can give you the grace that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. If you're a first time listener, hit me up with your own feedback from today's show and previous shows uh, and with your new questions, potentially our comments or critiques at askfatherjosh at assistionpress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. And if you share us on your social media pages, it helps other people find out about the show. Again, if the show is a gift for you, potentially it might be a gift for other people as well. Uh, and finally, if you want to uh, just get to know me better, uh, you can order my book, Broken and Blessed, at EssentialPress.com. Hopefully that book can be a gift for you to find freedom in Jesus Christ and healing in Christ. Um, and also, if you want to grow in the interior life and your relationship with Jesus Christ in prayer, you can order my book, Pocket Guide to Adoration, also available at EssentialPress.com. Uh, super excited about today's show. Our topics today are going to be about pornography. Uh, what do we do if our significant other has a problem with porn uh, and we are aware of it and we want to help them? But like, what do we do? And finally, also, um, what can we do differently to help um, the healing of the body of Christ uh, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis and on a monthly basis? Not just like a one time thing, but what can I continue to do to bring about unity and healing and restoration um, in the body of Christ across the racial divide that currently exists? But before we get into those two really good topics, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story is this. I um man, it's been crazy, crazy past couple of weeks, and uh and, and exhausting. I'm not gonna lie, it's been physically exhausting, and so uh, yeah, it's just been all it's been all over the place, you know. Uh, but uh, I've I've become so hopeful because um even since my my interview I did with Jeff Cavins on Facebook and uh and the one I did with Father Mike Schmitz for his podcast on Ascension Presents. I've received so much feedback from members of the body of Christ uh, who either A, thanked me because they haven't heard this topic addressed on that kind of platform. Um, even though I've been talking about this for the past five years publicly, um, not on that platform. And it was it was a gift for them to be able to hear ministers in the church address this issue, which was beautiful. But also from so many people, really beautiful disciples of Jesus Christ who just didn't get it who really were unaware of how racism is operative in our nation 
And I received so many emails and I'm sorry, I can't respond to all of them uh, because I'm still a busy pastor. Uh, but so many emails and direct messages and, uh, and even text messages and phone calls from people who know me just saying, I finally get it. Like I get it now. My eyes are opened. I, the, the veil has been lifted. I see it. And now I also know what I can do as a member of the body of Christ, how I can participate in praying prayers of repentance and, and reparation and things like that. So that's been very beautiful just to see the disciples of Jesus Christ come alive. And so I was, I was in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament uh, about, about a week ago. And uh, it was, I had a beautiful experience where I was just asking the Lord, I was like, okay, God, you know, I know I'm physically tired right now. My body's hurting. Um, I know the devil is really mad at me right now because I believe that a demonic stronghold that is particular to this nation is the demon of racism. And as of the past couple of weeks, a lot of members of the body of Christ, a lot of faithful Catholics have finally become aware of how he's been operating in secret and how he's been doing um, the this division, perpetuating division um, through practices and through policies and through laws and, and, and how we can work together as a body of Christ to not only um, make new laws dealing with like pro-life issues like abortion, but we can also like put in laws in place in our government that will not allow um, rules or practices to continue to accommodate some and hurt others. And so um, I think he's really mad. And as I was um, talking to Jesus, I was just like, man, Jesus, it's just interesting. Like I, I don't, outside of like physically my body hurting, I don't perceive how the enemy right now is trying to tempt me with suggestions. Like I could not perceive any temptation from Satan outside of like physically hurting. And then I had this image that came while I was praying for the blessed sacrament that I, I want to share with you. And it was of sister Thea Bowman. Uh, she's a, an African-American who's on the path to becoming a saint. And Mother Amir DeLille, another African-American on the path to becoming a saint, a venerable Mother Amir DeLille, a servant of God, Thea Bowman, um, Julia Greeley, servant of God, venerable Augustus Tolton, um, Mother Mar Mary Lange, and Pierre Toussaint. These are six African-Americans who are all on the path to sainthood. Their, their causes for canonization have all been opened up. And um, I saw them in my prayer. And I saw them surrounded by a number of other um, members of the mystical body of Christ, uh, uh, saints, and um, and also these angels. And they were fighting these demons for me. Like they were like legit going to battle right now, fighting these like other like demons, these lesser demons, so that it could like clear the way for me to 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 go and attack this demonic stronghold of institutional racism in our nation. Um, and so like, it was just beautiful. And I saw in my prayer, these other members of the body of Christ who are alive, who have been interceding for me, who've been offering rosaries for me, who've been fasting for me, offering masses for me, um, and their prayers and their support. It was like carrying me, um, to this, this specific demon, uh, with the word of God and with the blessed sacrament to, to fight this, this, this specific demon that has been able to perpetuate the vision, not only in our nation, but in the church for so many years. And finally he's been exposed. His, his, his tactics are being brought to the light. It's not just people who are mean people or, or who are, say the N-word that's the problem. It's not just people who wear the KKK outfit that's the problem. But it's, it's, it's the way that he's been able to tempt people to, be, um, to participate in and to support uh, practices and policies that, that accommodate some and discriminate against others. And now it's being brought to the light. And he's not happy. And so it was a very beautiful prayer experience where I, I was able to perceive the saints and angels fighting for me and with me. Um, and also just uh, Sister Thea Bowman specifically like looking at me and saying thank you. And um, it was so beautiful. It was just a beautiful prayer experience. And I was like, dang, Jesus, like, all right, like I could do this. 
I, I, I can, I can, I can give more of my, my, my sacrifices and I can offer more prayers and I can fast more and I can, no matter how tired I get, I can speak more um, because right now the, the enemy um, has been exposed to the light and, and I have hope now that we can, we can, uh, the church together and the body of Christ coming together, collaborating with each other and with the saints in heaven can certainly bring about a lot of healing and transformation, uh, in the world, um, specifically in our country, in our church, and we can console the heart of Jesus. Now, certainly the, the, the demons will still be there that will always come around to tempt us again and again, um, and try to, to corrupt our hearts, um, and try to get us to write new laws and write and support new practices or policies. But, uh, but now he's been exposed. So I think we are a little bit more equipped to be aware of how he's operating and what we can do to fight against him. So it was just a beautiful prayer experience. Uh, though I know that obviously like chastity speakers like no matter how many times you speak about chastity people are still going to do what they want to do but nonetheless uh, because the devil is still going to tempt people and suggest people um many many different lies and distractions but yeah but but the battle is now um it's become a lot more clear for a lot more catholics and i think yeah just with everyone praying now intentionally for this um for healing and for restoration and for reconciliation i think we're going to see so much fruit so much supernatural fruit so much transformation i think we're going to begin to see a civilization of love so praise god praise god praise god i'm so grateful for these saints and uh man and for their prayers and and for you all for your prayers as well i I believe that the lord is going to do some great stuff through us so let's go ahead and uh jump into today's show All right, our first question is about a significant other who has a problem with pornography. Dear Father Josh, firstly, I love your show and the clarity you provide on so many difficult topics related to the Catholic faith. Thank you for all you do in evangelizing and educating us listeners. I have a moral dilemma, and I was wondering if you could help guide me. I had been chastely dating a wonderful man of God for over two years, and we have very similar values. This past fall, I asked him about pornography use, and he admitted to struggling with this sin for over 15 years. He said he had been making extra efforts to stop since our relationship started, but was still struggling. We had multiple conversations about this, and he said he was determined to stop, which he successfully did for five months through prayer, distraction, and an accountability partner. Unfortunately, with this time of quarantine and throwing off of a routine of going to the gym and going to mass and confession and spending time together, He has again fallen back into this sin. This problem is hurtful to me and causes me so much pain, although I do understand how it is difficult for him too. I've been very clear with him that I will not consider marriage when this is still a problem. Through all of this, he has been completely transparent and honest with me. He is motivated to stop. He has been growing deeper in his faith since we met. He makes me a better person and I can truly picture myself sharing a future with him. My moral dilemma is that I have no idea where to go from here. Is this something he should work on individually without the distraction of a relationship? Or is this something that we should continue to work on as a couple? I don't want him to subconsciously change from me when he should be stopping this habit for himself. And the knowledge of the harms of pornography on himself and on a relationship uh, anonymous. That's a great, great question. So, I mean, first of all, I don't know as far as if you should invite him to work on this problem by himself, or if you should stay with him and work on it as a couple. 
I guess I could just give you my advice. Um, pornography is a real addiction. Like it's an addiction, like a drug addiction. Uh, like marijuana could be an addiction. Like people can be addicted to prescribed um, medications over the counter. Like people could be addicted to alcohol. Pornography is a legit addiction. And so, uh, yeah, certainly we should encourage your your boyfriend to pray, to pray the rosary daily, right? To pray, to go to the holy sacrifice of the mass as often as possible. Uh, we should encourage your, your boyfriend to to fast, to fast from pleasure, to fast from things that are pleasurable. Like what's his favorite meal? Don't eat that. Like the more we could deny ourselves pleasure from good things, the more we will be able to deny ourselves pleasure with bad things. But we must fast consistently, not just during Lent or Advent, but really weekly fast from uh, hitting the snooze button, take cold showers. If that might be helpful, if you like warm showers, like fast from things that give him pleasure. And that's certainly an accountability partner and covenant eyes can be a great gift to him. And I think they are a good gift, but I don't think we should stop there. I think that again, like you said, going to confession as often as possible will be a great gift for him, potentially getting a spiritual director to accompany him in and holding him accountable in the interior life and his relationship with Jesus would be good. I would always encourage people who struggle with pornography and masturbation and they are addicted, uh, which means that they fall multiple times throughout the year. Like say if you go three months in freedom and you fall again, and then you go another three months and you fall again, you're probably an, an addict. And so an addict doesn't just need a spiritual director. and doesn't need to just pray and have a rule of life. And an addict doesn't need to just avoid the near occasion of sin through covenant eyes. An addict also probably needs a counselor, um, a psychologist, a, a therapist to walk with him or with her because men and women both have an addiction to pornography and masturbation. I would also encourage um, you to invite him um, on his own volition and his own free will to potentially um, get plugged in with a sex addict sponsor, an SA sponsor, just like alcoholics have sponsors that can also walk with them. Uh, it would be very helpful if, if he was walking with somebody who also has um, been living in freedom, not necessarily who hasn't. Uh, when I say that, I don't, I don't mean someone who's not fallen since, but like who's like striving for for freedom. In, in pornography um, and masturbation, from pornography and masturbation. Um, so uh, getting a sponsor could also be really helpful, getting involved in a support group that was specific to sexaholics. Um, and, uh, and then also, and this might be helpful, is to get plugged into IOP, um, uh, intensive outpatient uh, treatment, um, or even going away for treatment. Like Because it's a real addiction, the more a person, a man or woman, looks at pornography and chooses to objectify people and masturbate off of those images or videos, the more they're going to begin to see other people as objects and they're going to uh, try to use them for pleasure. There's just so many dangerous things that happen. I mean, outside of being a sin, there's just so many even uh, physiological things that, that are just not going to be good in the future. Some people who are addicted to pornography and masturbation, um, especially guys, aren't able um, to uh, experience or they have, they get ED, erectile dysfunction. So they're not able to uh, have sex with their wives when they get married um, because they have become so used to uh, pornography. So there's just, again, so many things. I, I would suggest that you're free. Look, you're free and you've made your standards clear with him. You're not going to marry him if he's if he's not um, struggling well. You know, I, I, again, he might still fall and it's up to you to discern and determine, am I willing to walk with this this, this man who's an addict? who potentially is an addict? Am I willing to walk with him um, toward eternity and help him carry this cross? Because it is a battle. And, and there are many saints who who had these kind of thorns in their side that they never actually found freedom, but they're still saints. Like St. Mark E. Tai Ching is one of my, my favorites, my go-to saints. He was a, a husband and a doctor, and he uh, he had an opium addiction. He, as a, as a faithful Catholic, he 
was injured and, and he prescribed himself opioids to, to deal with his pain and he became addicted to them to the point where he lost his job and he lost his family. Um, and he went to mass every day and he went to confession um, daily and he prayed his rosary and he fasted and he tried to avoid the near occasion of sin, but he just kept falling over and over and over and over again. Uh, but he never gave up trying. And so I I think if you're okay with walking with a man who is going to struggle for the rest of his life, but he's going to keep fighting and he's going to be held accountable through all of the above, what I mentioned, not just either or. I think some people are like, maybe I'll just go to confession and go to spiritual direction and and get covenant eyes. And, and that's enough. It's like, no, like if you really want to find freedom and if you really want to show me that you're putting an effort in to be free, then I'm going to need you to yeah, get covenant eyes or get rid of your iPhone and just get a, a flip phone. I'm going to need you to you know be serious about going to confession regularly and go to mass and praying the rosary and praying and fasting. And I'm going to need you to be serious about having counseling, a counselor and a therapist and having a support group and an SA sponsor. I'm going to need you to potentially even show me that you're so serious about this by going to IOP. Um, so there are a number of things that I think if he did, then, and if you think if he's good for you and if he's helping you be a saint, then yeah, I, it's up to you though to discern and determine do I want to spend the rest of my life walking with somebody who's fighting this particular battle? Um, I will tell you up, up front, this is a battle many good, holy disciples of Jesus Christ struggle with. Many, men and women I know who are very holy and are trying to become saints struggle with this. And so, uh, you know, it's just up to you again in your own prayer and discernment. Do I think that he can still help me become a saint in marriage? And do I think I can help him become a saint? If I think I can help him become a saint, then yeah, maybe um, it would be a good thing to to stick it out with him for now. But you're, you're free. You should not be forced to marry anybody. And so if that's your your standard uh, as far as whatever, then, you know, you got to follow your heart and you got on that one. Um, but yeah, so I guess the real question is, is am I willing to walk with any person who has an addiction, um, whether it's alcohol or drugs or pornography, um, toward the, in the sacrament of matrimony. And it's good that you know this now, right? Because sometimes people don't bring these addictions to the light during marriage prep and during their engagement. And so uh, that's why we always ask couples in marriage prep, like, is there anything that your potential husband or wife does not know about you that if, if they knew they would not marry you? And so uh, your discernment is, what, will I be able to marry somebody who is in recovery from an addiction? Because it's an addiction um, or not. And so I will pray for you as you discern that. Um, anonymous, I really will. I really will pray for both of you that he finds freedom. Um, and, it, and again, freedom to like struggle well, um, because the, the devil is always going to be there to tempt the devil. Like the devil's real and he's going to tempt us all with different suggestions. And some of us are going to be tempted to wrath and others are going to be tempted to pride or envy. And some are going to be tempted with lust or gluttony. And so and those vices are very real. Those demons are very real. And so uh, I just would encourage you to to invite him to this conversation about what is he willing to do to struggle well um, and, and, and live in freedom potentially um, for the rest of his life or at least struggle well and, and get back up again and again if he falls because God's grace is real and, and God, God doesn't give up on us. And so um, whether or not you walk with him in, in matrimony or you walk with him as a friend, uh, don't give up on him. Uh, and again, that doesn't mean marry him. It just means don't give up on him. Pray for him, fast for him as well, and hold him accountable with uh, with his walk toward eternity, with his walk toward becoming the saint that, that God desires him to be. So that's that's that. Okay, uh, let me know what you think. Was that helpful? Advice? Was um, was it good? Uh, hit me up with uh, a comment or critique or concerns at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to dive into our final question about what we can do to continue to heal the racial divide in our country on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and on a monthly basis. Stay tuned. 
Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista and a Baptist turned Catholic. As a Baptist, I thought that Catholic beliefs were invented, that they came out of nowhere and had no connection whatsoever to the Bible. I also happened to believe that the Old Testament was about rules, rituals, and sacrifices that the New Testament gave us permission to ignore for a personal relationship with Jesus. It's a long story, but as God began connecting the Old and New Testaments for me, I was stunned by the beautiful consistency of God in the Catholic Church. I can't tell you how exciting it was when God opened my eyes to the incredible ways the Old Testament foreshadows God's plan for the New Testament and for His Catholic Church. In my book, Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, I explain these amazing connections and I share how those connections helped change my life. If you read this book, I promise that you will come away with tools to help you share your Catholic faith easily, answer questions about how your Catholic faith fits with what's in the Bible, and most importantly, grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. If you're interested in learning more or ordering a copy of Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, you can do so at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. All right, and we are back. Again, you can hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AssistantPress.com. With your questions, if you're feeling fancy, you can record a voice note and we can hear your voice on the show. We can play that for you. Uh, Don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats. And don't forget to share us as well. When you share us, other people find out about the show. And if it's good for you, uh, potentially it could be good for them as well. All right. This question says this about what we can do on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. Father Josh, thank you. So much for all that you're doing to promote hope of healing the racial divide in our country. Thank you for making yourself vulnerable in the stories you've shared. Uh, well, praise God. Thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> it is very difficult being vulnerable sometimes. It, it feels, uh, uh, yeah, it's hard. While I imagine it is super difficult to do this, it is super helpful as a white female and a loyal listener to have a face with a story. The video of George Floyd's death gave us a face with a tragic story, one the people of color community has been telling us for years. We haven't been able to fathom this reality until recently, and it is utterly embarrassing, Father Josh. My question to you today is, as a faithful Catholic, what can I change in my daily, weekly, and monthly practices to further the healing you so beautifully promote? How can I pray differently? How can I worship differently? How can I spend my time and money better? I'm all in, Father Josh. Thanks again. God bless you for the work you do, Penny. All right, Penny, so that's a great, great question. So, because we can all do things. Uh, I think sometimes we look at these issues and they become like the hot issue for the week. And we're like all plugged in for like one week of our life. And then we totally check out and we focus on the next um, hot topic. So I think as a disciple of Jesus Christ, something that you could do on a daily basis with regards to prayer is to, again, first and foremost, pray with scripture, Lexio Divina, if you're not already doing that, like apply, like always prioritize the word of God, the Bible in your daily life and use the steps of Lexio Divina. Read, what does the passage say? Meditate on it. What does the passage say to me? Pray, have a conversation with God about what it says to you, the passage, and say your scripture. Uh, and the method of prayer that you could use is um, A-R-R-R, acknowledge your thoughts, feelings, and desires that came up as you meditated, uh, relate that to God, and then and then sit with the Lord and try to listen to him speak more in scripture um, or through music or through whatever. Like God can communicate to us in so many different beautiful ways. And then after you do that, then, uh, then sit with the Lord. Sit with the Lord in silence and, and look at him as he looks at you. Uh, and then come up with a resolution. If you could do that with scripture, then I would encourage you after you've done that with scripture to then begin to read stories, read stories um, from people of color in the body of Christ, uh, read their experiences 
and uh, read stories of even brothers and sisters who are not members of the body of Christ, but are made in the image of God. Because again, um, not everybody's going to want to say I'm a part of the body of Christ because not everybody's a Christian. So if they're not baptized, I don't want to put that on somebody who's not baptized, but we are all made in the image of God. So read a story of someone who's made the image of God, a person of color, about what they've been through, and then apply those steps of Lexio Divina with their stories on a daily basis. Daily basis, like read scripture, do Lexio, and then read a story and apply Lexio. What did this person say? What was their experience? Uh, what does that say to me? And then have a conversation with God whose voice you know because you're rooted in the word of God about what that story says to you. Talk to God, listen to God, and then sit with the Lord in the agony of the garden or sit with the Lord at the foot of the cross and uh, spend time with him there looking at his beautiful face as he looks at you. And then come up with a resolution based on your time applying Lexi Divina to that person's of color's story. Um, and, and that could definitely like, help help um, you be inspired by God to to discern and learn ways that you might be invited by the Holy Spirit to use your charism that you receive at your baptism to to work with other members of the body of Christ and to work with other men and women made in the image of God to to heal the racial divide, not only in the church, but in the nation, to continue to be inspired by our spirit. It all must come from the interior life. It all must come from our prayer. Our prayer must influence us and inspire us to manifest love. Uh, when I think it's so funny when people say like, oh, I respond to to, to the evil racism by loving people. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, But what does that mean? Because you can't just say I'm, I love people and I'm just nice to people and I'm kind to people. Like, what what does that practically mean? Because Thomas Aquinas defines love as desiring the greatest good for the other person and willing the greatest good, which isn't just their then become a saint, but it's also willing their good on earth. So that means an action. Love is an action. It means I'm going to address things that are perpetuating division. I'm going to look for things that can that can continue to hurt Jesus's heart. Um, because it's it's giving access to some and denying uh, access to others um, on an institutional level. Like I'm going to speak up at a family dinner whenever someone in my family says something that is hurtful to people made in the image of God and members of the body of Christ. I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm not just going to personally be nice and kind because that's a given. You're supposed to do that. Everyone's supposed to be nice and patient and kind. First Corinthians 13, four through seven. But there's more that we're also invited by God to do using our charism that he gave us. So uh, after your time of Lexio, you might feel more inspired to devote time before the Blessed Sacrament and offer prayers of repentance and reparation for other people in the church. You might feel inspired by God to go out there and, and protest more because protesting um, does historically, uh, pr it has been historically proven to to inspire people, motivate people to to change, to change laws um, and to to open up and to learn more about what's really going on, uh, open up their minds and hearts to, to, to choose to study things that they may have not studied before before uh, they were confronted with all these people protesting. Um, you might be inspired by God to, to call legislators or people who make laws. Um, like, just like we do with abortion all the time, we call lawmakers and we have lobbyists and we we vote for, for mayors and governors and presidents who are anti-abortion. We should also encourage our political leaders who um, have influence over laws and legislation to, to make sure that, that there are just laws being put in place in our towns and our cities and our states and in our, in our country as well. Um, you might be inspired by God after doing that with prayer to go and invest in in your neighbor who you might not know well or in a classmate or in a coworker, um, and to to become close to them the way you're close to Jesus in prayer. And um, you could be inspired in many different ways by the Holy Spirit after applying Lexi Divina on a daily basis to scripture and to people's stories. On a weekly basis, I would encourage you to worship 
um, not only at the church that you might already be worshiping at, worshiping at, um, but if you are like currently worshiping at a Catholic church that is predominantly white, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I would encourage you maybe every other week to to look for a church maybe in your diocese that's predominantly um, black or brown, and and go there too. Um, maybe do mass on Saturday and Sunday, or do every other weekend at that specific church and the church that you might already be registered at if it's not diverse already. Um, that way you can worship with. Um, our brothers and sisters uh, in the body of Christ who might look different than us and come from a different background um, than, than than you. Um, so um, I think it's very helpful for, pe- for people to do this, right? Uh, I uh, Yeah, I just, in, in seminary, I, I went to predominantly white churches and predominantly black churches and predominantly uh, Hispanic churches. And so I was very intentional with worshiping with different communities. And that, that could be very helpful for, for you as, as well. For me as a biracial man, um, I'm typically, whenever in most of the churches that I and conferences I go to, I'm one of the few people, right, uh, of people of color. I'm one of the few Black people at a conference, but um, it's it's helpful for other members of the body of Christ to 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 pray and to worship with people who are, are look different from them. And so, I would encourage you, if you can, to every other week uh, at least uh, find a, a a church where the people that worship at that church look different from you. Um, that might be helpful. Again, that's just my uh, advice. And finally, on a monthly basis, I would encourage you to um, to tithe, to tithe to uh, predominantly uh, black and brown schools um, of color, uh, Catholic schools like Cristo Rey or like um, St. Francis Xavier and Baton Rouge. Are, and there's just so many because a lot of these schools uh, in, in America across our nation that are predominantly black and brown, uh, these Catholic schools are totally underfunded and under-resourced. So if you look at um, a predominantly white Catholic school, and you look at a predominantly black or brown Catholic school, you will notice that they have there. There's a, a huge gap. There's a huge gap, uh, and and you just trust me on this one, right? I um I've been a campus minister at at the predominantly white Catholic schools, and I've um I've helped serve some of our predominantly black schools as well over the years. And there's a huge difference in the money and the resources. Uh, and the things that are available, even education-wise. And so uh, begin to tithe there monthly, on a monthly basis. If you're looking for, like, a, a lot of people have been texting me lately, hey, Father Josh, like, do you know any black businesses I could support? Like, I'm I'm starting to become aware that I've never financially supported a black business. I'm like, all right, th- that black business is called Catholic schools that are predominantly black and brown because most of them, not all of them, most of them are definitely underfunded and under-resourced. And this, and this goes back because of like the the rule. This goes back to the law of the land uh, because of redlining. You know, in the 1930s, um, the Federal Home Owners Loan Corporation and the Housing Administration, they, they used color-coded maps to rank investment potential uh, for like banks, uh, residential areas for banks and insurance companies and other investors. And if you were an excellent prospect, uh, you were living in a probably white neighborhood and you were given the color green. And if you were in a black or brown neighborhood, you were given the color red, uh, the red lining deemed it unsafe to invest for investments. And, uh, and they were typically like not eligible for federally backed mortgages. And so again, like this stuff has affected people, um, and hurt their opportunities and their, um, their ability to have schools that um, are able to help them thrive, help them thrive um, in in their society. Again, like these 20th century discriminatory rules excluded people of color from the home mortgage mortgage market, and it just restricted them um, to segregated communities with very few resources and depressed property values that affects people's ability to 
to have an awesome experience whenever they go to even a Catholic school. So we can help that and we can make up for that because even, like, even I think sometimes we're like, look, well, what about the Civil Rights Act? Like didn't the Civil Rights Act of 1968 like outlaw those those rules? Yeah, they, well, they did, but it still happened. Like people still like to this day aren't able to move into certain neighborhoods because of the color of their skin. And because they aren't able to move into those neighborhoods, even if they're in the army or if they're um, like a member of the law enforcement or if, you know, no matter what they've done, um, sometimes they're not going to be allowed to live in certain neighborhoods, which means they can't go to certain schools because of where they live. And so they're they're, they're going to have to stay in other places of town that are redlined. And so, again, those places are still under-resourced and underfunded. And um, and it's going to affect their ability to to provide what some of our kids really need uh, in their Catholic education. So I would encourage you to um, to help our our Catholic kids who, of of color by tithing monthly to to predominantly black and brown schools. And I think that would also really help to heal this division because the division is is evident if you if you go and check out. Um, some of our predominantly white schools and then go check out some of our predominantly black and brown schools. So that those are some like practical things I think you can do um, as a, a white woman who has become aware of this issue and who wants to wants to continue to help all of us together to heal the racial divide and bring about beautiful, awesome reconciliation in the body of Christ and to console the heart of Jesus. I promise you, his heart is so consoled right now <laughs> because we're finally talking about this stuff that has been so long ignored. And so I, I'm just happy and I'm so grateful for you that you want to be a part of the solution, that you want to do a few things. You can't do everything, but you can do something. You can do one thing. And I, I'm grateful that you care enough to want to do something um, to to continue to make Jesus smile and to bring about healing in his church and and then from the church healing in our nation. So let's go ahead and pray. And uh, I look forward to continuing to walk with all of you toward eternity. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to participate. Thank you for creating us for a time such as this to respond to this evil um, that has uh, just existed for so many years um, and that has been a stronghold for so many years in our nation. Thank you, God, for calling us to be the saints to address this evil. I ask that you continue to give us the graces that we need to fight this battle, uh, to fight this battle with your word and with your sacraments and with your church's teachings, to fight this battle with love, with your love, with your grace, with your wisdom, with your patience, with your kindness, with your with your knowledge, with your charisms that you have shared with us to to use in our in our efforts to 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 heal your body and to reform your church and to reform our nation as well. Jesus, thank you so much for the saints who have preceded us in our walk, for their prayers of intercession. Uh, may they minister to us while we are awake and while we are asleep so that we can persevere like them um, in, in, in trying to please your heart, in trying to console your heart. Give us your mind, Lord Jesus. Give us your heart. Let us truly be your body in the 21st century. We ask this prayer. Father, God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.